Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with God's wrath as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 2. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. God's vengeance and wrath is going to be poured out upon this earth. As the seals are open, the judgments of God are are going to begin to fall and the earth will enter into that period known as the Great Tribulation. And we read where the men, the chief men of the earth and the captains and so forth will call to the rocks and the mountains and say, fall on us and hide us from the face of the Lamb for his day of wrath has come, the day of the vengeance of our God. Well, that won't take place until a yet future time during the Great Tribulation. And I think that it is totally inconsistent with God and the nature of God and the work of Jesus Christ to think that the church would be here during the time that God pours out his wrath upon the earth. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans 5, 9 that we have not been appointed unto wrath. He tells us again in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 that we're not been appointed unto wrath. And I think it's totally inconsistent with the nature of God to think that Christ having borne the wrath of God for our sin, that we would somehow have to face the wrath of God during the Great Tribulation. Now, as a child of God, as long as I'm in this alien world, I'm going to have tribulation. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. Now, if you were of the world, the world would love you because you'd be a part of their whole system. Because you're not of the world, they hate you. And if they haven't received me, they're not going to receive you. If they've hated me, they're going to hate you. The servant isn't greater than his Lord. And so, as a child of God, walking in fellowship with God in this alien world, I can expect to have tribulation. It's not going to be easy. However, I shall surely not face the wrath of God, the great tribulation. And the whole vast difference is the tribulation that I face comes from Satan. The tribulation that the world is going to face comes from the vengeance of God who has declared, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So to proclaim the day of the vengeance of our God and to comfort all that mourn, Moving into the kingdom age to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them the beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. For they shall build up the old waste, the rebuilding that will go on in that land, and they shall raise up the former desolations, And they shall repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. And, of course, we see a a beginning of that today, but what we see today is not really the fulfillment of this particular passage in Isaiah because Isaiah here is going on into the kingdom age. That which 
so much of that which is being built up now is going to be destroyed. Unfortunately, Israel is going to be the central battlefield of two more major battles, probably the biggest and bloodiest battles in the history of the world are yet to be fought in that land. And so much of that uh, marvelous building that is going on there today will be destroyed in, in the wars that are yet to come upon this nation. But this particular prophecy goes out into the kingdom age as they rebuild the waste and the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks as God restores the nation Israel. Now you hear uh, a lot of people and, and even ministers who talk about the final restitution of all things. God is going to finally save everybody. Nobody will be lost. Even Satan will repent and be brought back as a child. That is not what the Bible teaches when it speaks of the final restitution. In the final restitution, God is talking about his restitution of the nation of Israel as his people. They have been put away as an unfaithful wife, and God is going to bring them back again, even as is depicted graphically in the prophecy of Hosea. When God said, go out and take a wife and and, and he married this wife, and she bore him a couple of children. She bore another child, and he called it Loemi. That's not my kid. And she finally just uh, went out and became a prostitute. Her life was marred and ruined as she made love with anybody who would come along. And God finally said to Hosea, go find your wife and take her again and buy her. Redeem her. She's gone into slavery. Redeem her. Wash her up. Clean her up. And take her as your wife again. And so God spoke then through that graphic illustration of how he would bring Israel again back into a relationship with him where he would love her as a wife and be a husband unto them. And this goes into that area. The stranger shall stand and feed your flocks. The son of the alien shall be your plowman and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. And the word minister is servant. I think that it's important that we remember that. We so oftentimes uh, use that as, as a title of, of great distinction. Oh, he's a minister. And you're saying, oh, he's a slave, you know. Well, it's great. We ought to think of it as that. Sometimes I think, well, I'm a minister, you know. Give me a 10% discount after all, you know. Uh, and, and we think, you know, well, if I'm a minister, I should have special privileges. I'm a minister, you know, I should get at the front of the line. Or I'm a, and, and that is totally incongruous with the true aspect of the word minister and the idea of ministry as Jesus spoke of it. He said, if you're going to be chief, then learn to be the servant of all. And, and he taught the servanthood. He took and put a towel around himself, tied a towel around himself, and he went around and washed the disciples' feet. If I, being your Lord, have become your servant, then learn to be servants. And so the beautiful privilege we have of serving God by serving one another.
Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Giving a cup of cold water, serving in the name of the Lord, God rewards us for his service. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. Do it as unto the Lord, knowing that of the Lord you're going to receive your reward. And so it's a glorious thing to be called. Now, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, as he is giving the opening remarks, in speaking of Jesus Christ, he said, Who hath redeemed us with his blood, who hath made us kings and priests unto our God, more literally, a kingdom of priests unto our God. So, that is going to be a part of the ministry and the work of the church in the kingdom of age is that we will be priests unto our God. In the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation, when Jesus takes the scroll out of the right hand of the Father and they sing the new song, it is, Thou art worthy to take the scroll and loose the seals, for thou wast slain and hath redeemed us by thy blood out of all of the nations, tribes, tongues and people, and hath made us unto our God, again, a kingdom of priests, and we shall reign with thee upon the earth. And so looking forward to the glorious kingdom age, the place of the church will be as a kingdom of priests, reigning with the Lord upon the earth. And so ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call ye the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. For your shame, talking again to Israel, the shame that they've gone through, you shall have double. And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. And I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people, and all that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord has blessed. The universal recognition of, of God's grace and mercy as he restores the nation Israel to that favored nation status. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. This is the response, actually, to uh, these glorious promises of God of restoration. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth her bud and the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. Oh, that glorious day of the Lord. How we anticipate it and look for it. As I look around the world today and I see the things that are happening, I pray with John, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
some of the things that the scientists are now dabbling in in genetic engineering and some of the goals that the chief geneticists have declared for uh, genetic engineering and some of the things that they're starting to do now, shocking things, some of the creatures that they're beginning to create through genetic engineering. It's really shocking things that are happening in the world today. And you wonder how far will God allow these things to go? It seems that man in the past has perhaps had periods of genetic engineering. It isn't, man has arisen to tremendous scientific levels in the past, but whenever man seems to get to a, a point of development, especially as they move into the area of genetic engineering, God says, that's it, and he cuts it off. Even as before the flood, there were these creatures that were upon the earth, the, the giants, men of renown, through genetic engineering, and, and God wiped them out and, and started all over again with Noah, in chapter 62, God continues to speak of the restoration of Israel for Zion's sake, that is Jerusalem, will I not hold my peace and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. God said, I'm not going to rest until I've accomplished it. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. And thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. And of course, the, the people have felt forsaken. Just recently, they had a, another commemoration for those who survived the Holocaust. And you talk to so many people in Israel today or those who are here who have survived the Holocaust, and so often their question was, where was God when our parents or our uncles were burned in the ovens in Germany? Where was God? Where was God? And, and that is a common question that you hear asked by them. And they themselves feel forsaken by God. But you will no longer be called forsaken. Neither will your land be termed desolate. But you shall be called Hepzibah, which means the Lord delights in thee, and thy land will be called Beulah which means married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. As a bridegroom over the bride. So again, this beautiful figure of speech uh, uh, that God relates to Israel as a bridegroom to his bride. Now in the New Testament, that same kind of relationship exists between Christ and his church. As Paul, writing to the Ephesians, writes about marital relationships. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And wives, submitting yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now I speak to you, Paul said, of a mystery. For I speak concerning Christ and his church. 
how that we have this beautiful, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ as, as the bride to the bridegroom and, and that love and, and all that is there. So it is a figure of the Old Testament between God and Israel in the New Testament of that is God the Father in Israel in the New Testament of Jesus and the church. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. In other words, calling for intercessors. Give him no rest till he establish, till he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. In other words, don't stop praying until the fulfillment of this takes place and God makes Jerusalem that glorious praise of the earth once more. The Bible says, pray for the peace of the Jerusalem. They shall prosper. Who will pray for your peace? And so we are encouraged here of continual intercession and prayer, giving him no rest. Interesting phrase concerning prayer. You remember Jesus made an illustration of prayer uh, in which he used very unlikely types of figures. It was a judge who had this little widow woman coming in every day and saying, avenge me, my adversary. And every day she was there seeking to be avenged of her adversary. And finally, Jesus said, though the judge said, I don't fear God or man, but this little woman's going to drive me crazy. And so he, you know, gave the judgment for her. And, and, and he was using that as a illustration to encourage us in persistence in prayer. Now, I have great difficulty with this in my own mind and in the understanding of it. The difficulty lies in, in, the, in the man that Jesus chooses in a figure to represent God, for he was an unjust judge. Man says, I don't fear God or man. And the persistence of this little woman. But the illustration is this. If even an unjust judge will yield to the persistence how much more will a righteous, just Father in heaven answer the petitions of his children who call upon him continually? So he's not really using the judge. He's using the judge in a sharp contrast to God rather than as a figure of God, but in sharp contrast. So even if an unjust judge will yield to persistency, how much more? And so much of the New Testament is in contrast. If this would happen, how much more then will God, your Father? So don't give God rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. The Lord hath sworn by his right hand and by the arm of his strength, surely I will no more give thy corn to be meat for your enemies. And the sons of thy stranger shall not drink thy wine for that which thou hast labored. Now, so often they found that the, you remember, and it was something that persisted through their history. When their enemies had overrun them, 
They would come in and, and take their crops. You remember Gideon was threshing in a cave to hide it from the Midianites because the Midianites would watch him. As soon as they'd thresh the wheat, they'd come in and, and rip them off. And so you'd labor and someone else would take it from you. And, and they experienced this many times. They would build up the land and build up these places and then other people would come in and take it. So God says that's not going to happen anymore. But they that have gathered it shall eat it and praise the Lord. And they that have brought it together shall drink in the courts of my holiness. Go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people. Cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed to the end of the world, say ye to the daughter of Zion, behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work is before him. And they shall call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and thou shalt be called sought out, a city not forsaken. So God's restoration of the people. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 61 through 62 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord bless and give you a beautiful week. May his hand be upon your life, and may the flame of love really begin to burn in your hearts towards God. And that love and, and commitment is restored, and, and it's just a glorious week of, of thinking of him, worshiping him, serving him, loving him. May God be pleased with you by your commitment and devotion. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Every year, Pastor Chuck used to give a prophecy update to prepare Christians to be ready to give an answer to anyone who wants to know what the Bible says about the future. And right now, The Word for Today would like to offer you resources that will help you comprehend and unravel the scriptures that pertain to prophecy, such as Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Revelation, 
or a collection of DVDs that relate to Israel, the rapture, and the Holy Spirit in the last days. I encourage you as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to become informed about what the Bible says about the soon return of Jesus Christ and to be able to share your faith with others. For more information about resources concerning biblical prophecy, call the Word for Today at 800-272-WORD or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.